This recording was made on Arunda country in Alice Springs, Northern Territory. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. You're with Lisa Pellegrino. Lisa Pellegrino. On ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. Embarking on a road trip around Australia can be a rite of passage for some people, but the idea of the climate issue, your footprint that you might be contributing to, and all the fuel and fumes can be a little off-putting for many people, including our next guest, our former Sydney cider Roland Davies, decided to sell his business and start building his old road trip vehicle, which is powered by vegetable oil. He's currently in Alice Springs uh, on this road trip during the pandemic. So many questions, so many answers, I think, from Roland Davies, uh, known as an adventurer and a self-proclaimed eco-tryhard. Hello. Hey, Lisa. How are you going? You're in uh, Alice at the moment. I am. I'm in lovely Alice Springs. Lucky you. Now, let's go from the beginning. So you were originally working in hospitality, is that right? Yes. Yes, I had a cafe in Sydney. And so why did you decide that maybe this wasn't cutting it anymore? Um, To be honest, I just really wanted to go on a long trip around Australia. And running the business, I poured a little too much of my heart into it such that I couldn't really leave it alone. And so I thought like... I'd go away for a couple of weeks at a time, but I'd find myself constantly thinking about it. And it wasn't really the break that I would, I really wanted and um, let alone doing it for six months or 12 months or something. So I really realized I needed to sell the business to be able to do the trip properly. And so if you're feeling a bit burnt out, why not do some burnouts in an eco-friendly truck? So this is about three years ago that you decided to do this. Uh, How did you go from an idea? What was next? Like, did you start looking for the car? Yeah, basically, um, I've been doing an environmental podcast for a long time, and I thought that would be a nice framework for the trip to be able to go around the country collecting opinions on the climate emergency. But I felt a bit hypocritical about doing that in a diesel-powered four-wheel drive. And so I was researching alternative fuel methods and realised that the truck I had wasn't able to be run on anything better than diesel, and I realised there were vehicles out there that could So I sold that and ended up with a light truck, which had a specific type of diesel injection system and also enough space to be able to carry a few hundred litres of vegetable oil at a time. And this is an old fire truck? Yeah, yeah. Basically, a really nicely looked after old fire truck. It had 23,000 Ks on it when I bought it, and it's 20 years old. So it's the newest car I've ever owned. Where did you buy it? Um, off the internet, Lisa, where you buy everything. <laughs> well, you know, I think I've only bought things <laughs> off the internet about 10 times and I'm always so excited oh, really? when things arrive, yeah. Yeah, well, it was quite funny to have this thing arrive and just come home to my driveway in Sydney and see a bright yellow XRFS fire truck parked there. But I basically paid for it in full online to have it delivered um, after, obviously, asking for some extensive photos from the dealership. But it was just from a truck yard in New South Wales. Why did you call it Nugget? Because um, it is a bit of a nugget, actually. Like, it's really stocky and it, it's like, I like the word nugget as a, as a descriptive um, adjective for, you know, things and for whatever. And um, also, obviously, the fried 
chicken element of it, using the vegetable oil. Um, I don't know, nugget just slotted into my head one day and then that was that. It uses vegetable oil to get it going. Uh, but obviously when you bought it from a rural fire, uh, well, when it was being used in a rural fire station, it wasn't being powered on vegetable oil. How yeah, did no. you go about con- converting it? Um, it's actually more simple than you would think for, if you, as long as you've got an old, basically a tractor. Um, it's an old direct injection diesel and you you sort of need the diesel to start it and stop it, but then I basically installed another fuel tank and then a few valves along the fuel lines to switch between the two tanks that were on the truck to be able to start it with diesel uh, and then as soon as it's at the right temperature, switch it over to vegetable oil so that the vegetable oil is thin enough and has a similar viscosity to diesel um, so that it flows the same. And then before you shut it down at the end of the day, switch it back to diesel to flush all of the oil out of the fuel line so that it doesn't thicken up when it goes cold overnight. But I understand uh, you, you have to know what you're doing when you're putting an engine like this together. The first time it didn't really work out. Um, no, it basically, I, I tried to get some professional help for it, but because it's such an obscure project, I wasn't really able to rely on much professional advice. So the people I did um, ask for help did the best they could, but there are a lot of things to troubleshoot to get it going um, to begin with. But uh, it's, it's humming along now. It's working real good. And so this was three years ago you wanted to do this, but the actual road trip started four months ago uh, and what a time to start a a road trip. What month was that four months ago? Let me do June. Yeah, June. Okay, so so COVID was already a thing. Yeah, full swing, yep. So how do you embark on an Australian road trip during a global pandemic, which Australia is no stranger to now? Well, we're lucky in Australia that um, even though the interstate border closures have felt pretty rugged, each state's got a lot to offer, and especially my home state of New South Wales is so big that I was happy just to get going. Um, And then I I drove into Victoria. I checked out a bit of Victoria while the border was still open, knit back across and saw most of, actually the entire coast of New South Wales up to Byron Bay. And then the Queensland border shut right before I was going to, cross into Queensland so I just went into the outback instead Um, and then ended up I needed to do a quarantine in South Australia after crossing the border from Broken Hill and ironically the borders reopened halfway through but I still had to finish the quarantine. Could you do it in Uh, the truck or you had to be at a house? or or No because it doesn't have a toilet it's got everything but toilet facilities and unfortunately the mandate was that you needed your own toilet facilities to do a quarantine so Mm -hmm. I had to sort of stop driving and um, sit still for two weeks which was um, probably a good, a good break, but yeah. And, and so before we get to, you know, your, the next part of your road trip that brought you uh, in Central Australia, uh, when you talk about the, the vegetable oil, I mean, does it have to be vegetable oil? I mean, what kind of oil is it and where, where do you get it from? Basically anywhere with a deep fryer. Um, so vegetable oil is a waste product of virtually every hospitality venue that sells fried food. And it's an expense for them to have to either store it or pay for someone else to dispose of it. Um, for example, like I went into one shop in Alice Springs today and he had 
240 litres of vegetable oil in the 20-litre drums that it comes in. And he was asking me how much I was going to charge him to get rid of it. And I was like, oh, no, 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 dude, I just want to like, this is win-win because it's rubbish for you. I'm saving you the hassle of needing to get rid of it some other way. And you're saving me $300 worth of diesel and also saving, you know, the air and the pollution that would come with that. So, yeah, it's basically... um it's just a question of filtering it back and then and then just chucking it in the new tank. And does it smell like a fish and chip shop or a donut shop? You know, it's funny you should ask. It does and it varies depending on what it's been used to cook with. So like the first batch I'll never forget just smelled like donuts. And it was just like the most the most identifiable smell that then with the next batch I noticed it went to like a more of a hot chipsy sort of smell. I've had schnitzel fish like all sorts of different smells it's like quite entertaining actually it's like a Willy Wonka kind of experience you know it it tastes like it smells like a donuts but does like did you use donut oil for that first batch well blended vegetable oil is Mm. pretty much the one um, common denominator ingredient in a deep fryer it doesn't Mm. really matter it can be used for sweet or savory purposes but it's just sort of um, cottonseed canola sunflower safflower like all these different vegetable oils um so olive oil for example is one that most people are most familiar with but it's so thick which is what makes it so delicious and stuff but unfortunately that's not so good to put through the motor because it's too thick and it doesn't run like an equivalent to diesel what does the truck look like on the outside and inside um so it's bright yellow which is the color that the uh, rfs queensland trucks are um and then there's a bunch of I put an enormous black bull bar on the front and a bunch of four-wheel driving accessories because I quite enjoy going off-road. So there's um, a winch and some um, high-beam lights and that sort of thing. There's a rooftop tent on the top of it, and then on the back I've got two. I've got a spare tire and then two 60-litre storage drums for the crude oil that I pick up, and then two jerry cans on either side for the filtered oil so I can have maximum storage. And you also include a bit of your hospitality experience uh, in terms of coffee. Yeah, so um, the inside is basically all my camping equipment but also, uh, I I guess, a bespoke kind of coffee bar. Um, The first thing that I used the truck with was to try and encourage people to pick up rubbish in my local beach and I was trading people a cup of coffee for 30 pieces of rubbish. Um, so it kind of works like a mobile coffee van as well. Are you still doing that? Um, not so much. I do it kind of um, informally every now and then when I've been picking up rubbish in the national parks on this trip, for example, and people feel like chipping in, which is unfortunately not that often. Uh, but I actually got fined for doing that by Northern Beaches Council in Sydney um, because it, it was unlicensed trading or whatever they decided to call that crime. And so I, um, I got booked for it. So I stopped doing it. Um, yeah. I don't know what the laws here in the Territory are. So, you know, maybe if anyone knows what the laws are for buying coffee with rubbish, please let us know. It might be You might be a niche expert in that area. You can text zero four eight seven double nine one zero five seven. Roland Davies joins you on ABC Radio Darwin in the Northern Territory. He's an adventurer and self-proclaimed eco-tryhard. He embarked on a road trip uh, through Australia four months ago during the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, went from... Sydney into where was next from Sydney to I actually went south down to Victoria and then back up past Sydney um, up to the Queensland border and then west into outback New South Wales okay and then you eventually went to Broken Hill got to Broken Hill 
um, saw some of the beautiful national parks around there uh, and then crossed the border into Adelaide and then did a, a self-isolation just south of Adelaide on the Florio Peninsula and then headed north again, straight back into the desert. So saw Flinders Ranges and Cooper and all those sorts of places. And then when did you get to the Territory? Uh, last week. Last week. Last and week. so where have you been in the Territory since arriving? We got busy. Uh, my partner and I, we went straight to Uluru and that was obviously magical. And then we saw Karajuta and then went up to Kings Canyon and did some unbelievable camping all along the way. And now I've been in Alice Springs for three nights. And how have you been sourcing the vegetable oil? Basically just walking in off the street and just looking people in the eye and saying, I don't want food. I just have a weird question to ask you. What do you do with the vegetable oil out of your fryers? And um, it's always met with kind of quite a surprised expression. Um, but that's pretty much it. Just walking cold off the street and hope for the best. And it's it's worked out in your favour. People seem to be giving you it. Do you ever get rejected? Yeah, I do get rejected. Um, there's actually commercial outfits that do a waste oil collection service. So they offer big places like a big oil drum and they'll do a rotation system where they basically say, chuck all your old oil in this, call us up when it's full, we'll come and give you a fresh one and take the full one away. Mm-hmm. And I believe they use that for commercial composting and animal feed and um, ironically for making biodiesel overseas, not in Australia, because we don't really do that here. Um, but the smaller places are not, don't have those drums and they just put it back in the containers that it comes in and they're all too happy to give it away. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not too sure about the process of that. Again, if somebody does know more info about what happens with that oil, you can call us as well. we love to hear from you on ABC Radio 1300 0572. Uh, and you've been looking a lot at the rubbish along the way, this road trip, you know, from New South Wales, uh, Victoria, SA, Northern Territory. How much rubbish have you been seeing on the side of the roads and the beaches? Um. A pretty disturbing amount, really. Like that was that was a big catalyst for doing the trip in this format, um, and particularly for trading people coffee for rubbish. Was when I sold my business last year. The first thing I did was went to one of my favourite national parks in New South Wales, which is on a beach. Uh, but I was just really taken aback by the amount of rubbish that was there. So I ended up spending uh, a month out there by myself, and I picked up a whole ton of rubbish from one beach. And I had no means of getting rid of it, so I just rang the rangers and they kindly sorted it out. But it really disturbed me to think that this was a national park that looked beautiful from far away, but you get up close and you realise that there's so much rubbish everywhere. And then, unfortunately, I've actually just... It's been more of the same, Lisa. There's rubbish everywhere. And um, I don't think it reflects the attitudes of the majority. I think that's just a few people letting the team down. But unfortunately, if like if the everyman doesn't just go out and pick it up. It's going to stay there and it's going to do those ecosystems harm. How disheartening uh, to see that. And uh, have you seen it slow down since the pandemic? I wonder if, you know, people are not travelling as much, uh, maybe cooking a bit more at home. I don't know. Is that making any visible impact? Uh, Sadly, not that I've seen, but um, I I guess rubbish isn't really seasonal. Like once it's there, it stays there and particularly the plastic. I mean, the stuff is renowned for the fact that it never breaks down. So what you, what I've found, I mean, I found a margarine container last year from 1987 that had a Commonwealth Games logo on it and looked like it could have been printed yesterday because it was preserved so well. So the stuff you find might have been there for years. Um, 
So I don't think it works as much as a as a short term sort of mm. seasonal basis. Uh, what's next? Um, next is basically I've got to be home for Christmas and a few December engagements. So I'm going to go a bit further north and then head east again into Queensland um, because sadly the border to the west is still closed. So yeah, that's pretty much it. More of the outback. Do you see the trip slowing down anytime soon or are you going to just keep going till you can? Um, I'm going to keep going until I hit the coast and then being the um, completely ocean-dependent surf glutton that I am, I see it slowing down then quite considerably. I'm going to sit tight and catch some waves and wash all the red dirt off. Um, But then, yeah, as for what's after that, I'm not too sure. Hey, Roland, before you go, is this something you would encourage other people to do? And if so, would it be something you really need to study up on because of the ins and outs of the engine, making sure it's safe, making sure you're doing the right thing? Oh, I'd absolutely encourage people to do it. I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm not a mechanic. Um, I just applied myself to trying to learn something new. And then you realize that, like, as a kid, I did a lot of Lego, and pulling a car apart is pretty much giant Lego. And so I reckon it's just a matter of looking at what's in front of you and trying to think about how to make the footprint of whatever that activity is smaller. And for me, that was I like traveling, I like four-wheel driving, and for me, it was trying to get rid of that diesel footprint, and it's returned me these crazy dividends where I feel a lot better in, in my mental health about what I'm doing, and also, I've got so much more money in my wallet than I would have otherwise if I'd spent money on diesel. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. And of course, you um, enlisted the help of a couple of mechanics along the way, just to make sure it was all fine-tuned. Yeah, and I would say probably be really wary about doing that because sadly I didn't have a great experience. But um, there's only a lot of the time there's only one way of learning, which is um, by the mistakes that either you or other people make. Um, but either way, it's about like applying yourself to it and trying to understand it as best you can. How can we follow yourself. your journey, Roland? Um, Instagram probably is the most direct way. Um, it's I'm lucky underscore underscore Roland because there's a luckier Roland out there who only has one underscore in his Instagram (laughs) handle. Otherwise, I do a podcast. It's called Self Talk, talk spelled T-O-R-Q-U-E with Lucky Roland and that's on iTunes and Spotify and everything else. T, what is it? T? T O R Q U E self talk. All right, beautiful. And that's it's kind of like a mental health, environmental, everything podcast. Just whatever's interesting that's in front of me. Beautiful, Roland. Wish you the best of luck. And you know, if you're in Alice uh, and you see Roland's yellow fire truck drive past, wave to him, uh, say hello. And are you coming to Darwin? I'm not going to make it up to Darwin before the wet season, I don't yeah. think. But um, next trip, definitely. I can't wait to get up there. Beautiful. Well, good luck for the rest of the drive. And say, he- say hello to Nugget, the car. Yeah, I certainly will. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you, Roland Davies, Lucky Roland, uh, adventurer and self-proclaimed eco-tryhard in that big yellow fire truck named Nugget, powered on vegetable oil. You're on ABC Radio Darwin in the Northern Territory. It is half past eight. Here's Birds of Tokyo, two of us. <laughs>